What's happening, everybody? I'm Nolan. Stacy Glover. Melanie. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Stacy, Melanie, you guys doing all right today? I think we're all low energy. Maybe it'll be a, like just a a great mix. What are we drinking today? Hellcat Maggie whiskey. I'm having mine with a little ginger. Yours looks a little bit more made up. We're all having it with ginger, but in Nolan and mine, I put some cherries and cherry oh. juice. Pretty lovely. Today's episode, we're going to be covering King Who's Come Drink With Me as we are drinking here with you all. But before we do... Come drink with us. That's right. Uh, let's talk about what we've been up to since the last episode. PG Psycho Gorman. So I think this is on Shudder. Conceptually, it's kind of like if an 80s bad guy, like Skeletor, mm-hmm. if he was stuck on Earth okay. and wanted to conquer it. Okay. Like he's just um, just a fucked up space demon lord thing and murders a lot of people, gets friends with kids, hunky guys. It's from uh, from the guys that did The Void, which I thought was okay, but like the effects are pretty good in that film. The effects are good here. I like the tone. It's, it's a funny, fun film. So I do recommend it. Yeah. My friend Ben, shout out to him, he also recommended this one. Aside of that, I started Elden Ring, which I'm enjoying. I don't love it, but I do like it, and I am compelled to play it, but I don't know if that's because it's like a big game in social discourse or if I'm always having a good time, but I do like it. Do you like the Souls-style games? I love Bloodborne. I think Bloodborne is a phenomenal game. The other Dark Souls I haven't spent that much time with. I've dabbled a little bit in one. I played, I think two was the first one I played. I could go back and probably play through those and get some enjoyment from them. My issues with this game are very much of the, I feel like the combat's not as tight and the camera pisses me off and I wish there was more to do in the world, but that's just me. And I, I am in the minority yeah this is a a sidebar thing but you told nolan and i about this kind of pop culture thing within the game souls style games are not my thing i don't play them because i i wouldn't be good at them and i wouldn't get enjoyment so i would just die a bunch and be annoyed you like more story driven stuff yeah it's it's just not my thing the souls games have good lore but their delivery of that lore is like i think those games work better if you get on the internet and kind of Which, find somebody that's compiled all the lore and mm-hmm. like get your story that and way. There's a ton of awesome YouTube video compilations that do that. I mean, they do that with all series. Yeah. Like there, you can find anything. But the thing I want you to talk about, just because I found it really interesting and wholesome in kind of a toxic gaming community, especially within this style of game, the Let Me Solo Her. Oh, yeah. The, there's just this player on Steam called Let Me Solo Her that just is a naked man with two katanas with a jar on his head that helps people kill, like, one of the main optional bosses. Yeah. I just found him entertaining. So people can, like, summon him? Yeah. You get, like, an item. So since we play on PlayStation, like, I could leave, like, a mark somewhere and he could s- right. summon me into his game. Mm-hmm. But it only works in, like, what, dungeons if you're at yeah. the boss? Yeah, if you're at the boss, usually, yeah. So could 
okay, so how does... Could you go into Nolan's game, defeat a dragon or a boss or whatever, would he get the souls? Like, would mm-hmm. he get the rewards? Yeah, but there's also... If whoever summons gets the prize. Yes, but you go into other people's games, you get runes, I think. Like, you get to level up, but I don't think you get, like, any of those items. But you can leave items. So that's another thing that... So let me solo her. That's a nice thing. Mm-hmm. There's a mean thing going around where people that play on the computer have, like, data mined the game and found, like, a pair of forbidden underwear. It's an asset in the game. It's an armor piece, but it's a banned item because it's not supposed to be in the game. So what they do is they enter people's games and drop the underwear. Nolan, and on your pickups... You need to mm-hmm. put this in the thought box mm-hmm. because you would put on those underwear. I would. Absolutely. So in the pick... Mm-hmm. or. You, when you pick items up, so you don't know what you're picking up. It just glows. Right. So, like, I can enter Nolan's world and, like, leave, like, a sword or something for him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what I dropped. He just knows that it glows. So these people are picking up these forbidden panties. And then they get banned from the game. So they can't play anymore. <laughs> Nolan, do you think you'll ever enter a situation in your life where you can say that? Let me solo her? <laughs> That's a cuckold situation, mm-hmm. I have to imagine. <laughs> Good stuff. Melanie? I finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm now playing Mass Effect Andromeda and Stardew Valley. And I'm really enjoying my time. It's very calming. Stardew Valley, the music's great. And I'm re-watching Frisky Dingo again. I'm not doing anything very exciting, but it's very relaxing and nice to me. Sometimes you just need those things. I did watch a bunch of films in preparation for this, thanks to you. Nice. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this film today. Oh, yeah watched uh, a movie called The Friends of Eddie Coyle. This is directed by Peter Yates from 1973, starring an older Robert Mitchum. And this is a bank heist slash mob movie. Much more interested in a in the character, uh, character study of these people than it is an action movie, although there are like two heist scenes that are very well done. But it's much more uh, drama and, and kind of understanding these criminals and what's going on anyway great movie i would highly recommend it and uh other than that uh, i've watched don't go in the house from 1979 i that movie i don't love it but i think it's an interesting film uh, it's nasty it's a nasty movie today we're going to be talking about king who's 1966 film come drink with me king who is someone that i would like to get into more i've seen this and uh dragon inn this year specifically, something that I'm trying to focus on is Chinese and Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. Well, Asian cinema, but specifically those areas. And I have a feeling that my a lot of picks next year after this are going mm-hmm. to be inspired by this. So. Which I think is great. What's kind of your history with the wuxia genre? How were you introduced to it? I feel like the first thing I probably watched was Crouching Tiger. Probably Crouching Tiger in theaters. Crouching Tiger came out when I first started working at a theater. And that's the movie that I worked projection on. I distinctly remember we had a packed house on my first night of projection. And the film... Brain uh, Yeah, Brain Wrapped. Oh, man. So, so it was like 30 minutes of just an intermission thrown in because... Huh. All of Crouching Tiger was on the floor of the proje- projection booth. Oh, man. That sounds so, stressful. Yeah. It, it was stressful. <laughs> that movie's fantastic. So I would say it's either that or um, 
during the early Netflix days, Ronnie Hughes' Bride with White Hair. Okay. That's an early one that I watched. And I feel like Miramax put out a bunch of um, sure. Hero and yeah. House of Flying Daggers. We go to the theater to watch those. I, I think you've gone to and watched some of those. Yeah. Well, I know we watched The Shadow when that came out, yeah. but mm-hmm. I feel like when we were, what, in high school yeah. or... I remember we watched Hero together. We watched Hero together. Yeah. There was definitely like an influx at that time. Yeah. Once Crouching Tiger mm-hmm. was profitable, people were like, oh, yeah. we'll just turn these out. That's Hero is definitely the first one for me that I didn't see Crouching Tiger until I was probably in my early 20s, I'm guessing, because I missed a lot of stuff. That was up. before we were friends. Yep. Crouching so, Tiger, right. not your early 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was a false narrative. <laughs> <laughs> no, because... <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, no. yeah uh, but yeah, Hero would have been my first uh, foray into the genre. And uh, it was something I really enjoyed, but I didn't really learn much about it until film class. You know, so it's something that I've kind of grown... Uh, a, a liking for over the years. You two took uh, Asian film history together, correct? Yeah. Was this a? Did they have a section where they covered? Yes, this? absolutely. Uh, yeah, it. That was a. That's one of my favorite classes I took in film school was that Asian film class because we. The the thing about our professor, uh, he was, really into the different countries and cultures, so it wasn't just like. You know, we're just going to watch Japanese or, you know, we're yeah. just going to watch samurai films or kung fu films. So we, we went out all over. I, I remember in that class we watched the Zatoichi remake by uh, Katana. Yeah. And uh, that movie rules. And so we watched it. And I remember there was one movie. I don't remember the name, the title, but it was this very slow Vietnamese film. And I had had a long day and I fell asleep in class during the movie. Yeah, it was about... um. Uh, they were hurting, I think, oxen. You you were snoring in class, yeah. and mm-hmm. our professor, like, looked yeah. and was like... He wasn't happy. The fuck? <laughs> yeah, it was a great class. That was one of my uh, not great moments in, in college, but what are you going to do, you know? And I feel like one of my humanities <laughs> classes, I want to say his, or history of the world, um, world religions, mm-hmm. I, the professor showed Crouching Tiger because I hadn't seen yeah. it since I since around the time it came out so that was like the first rewatch I'd had of it in a long time I was like this movie's really good yeah it's one I would like to rewatch I haven't seen it in a long time so I yeah think, I think I'm gonna it'll be one that's rewatched it um I remember when it came out it was because international films like weren't that big of a deal here they were in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. You know, they were getting nominated for Oscars and such, but it seems like during the 80s, that kind of went away, and in the 90s, when Crouching Tiger came out, it was such a big success. I think it made over $100 million just in the American box office. Yeah. It was nominated for a bajillion Academy Awards. I think it was even nominated for Best Picture back when they only had five. Sure. Schools and all sorts of, like you know, artistic societies and mm-hmm. stuff like they would be taking their students to this film because it's, yeah. it's culture from like a yeah. big, presented by a big student. Uh, and, and I mean, it, it played in our, the town Stacy and I are from, I mean, we grew up in a population of 3000 people and that played in our small little hick theater. That's yeah. how much money and the impact that that film had. Well, and like my brothers were very into like foreign film, but my mom, it's, and it's not that she wasn't into it. It's just, 
whenever Crouching Tiger came out, she was like, I've got to watch that because it was such a big deal culturally yeah. at the time. Well, and because of that, you know, the, those first two Wuja Yi Mao films, yeah. you know, Hero and House mm-hmm. of Flying Daggers were well received over here too and got yeah. theatrical releases. Absolutely. Pretty cool time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go on a run of some history here. Can I interject? Interject, sure. Uh, wuxia genre. So this is known. Well, the definition is martial chivalry, a strict code of honor for the swordsman. The swordsman inhabits a fictional world referred to as Zhang Jin. Zhang Jin. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm, this is gonna be another episode of of Apologies. issues for me. Uh, swordsman uh, interested in worldly reward. The wuxia stories have been around for centuries. Uh, the characters were magical. Uh, they had what was known as palm power, uh, which could make their sword fly. This was represented in early 20th century Chinese cinemas and created some of the earliest known special effects in China, which also included the heroes being able to perform superhuman leaps, especially as the genre forms. They found their martial artists in these films from the theater, and they would bring a ballet operatic approach to the movement and action when the japanese invaded china chinese filmmakers fled to hong kong around 1937 Uh, others uh, followed with the communist victory of around 1949 Uh, they brought the wuxia tradition with them but it wouldn't be until the 1960s that the sword uh, play genre would bring box office money kind of the first Wuxia film in this new formation would be Buddha's Palm in 1964. First swordplay film to make bank at their box office, directed by Ling Yun. Uh, new techniques started to be incorporated after this, including uh, circus techniques uh, like the trampolines and wires for flying, obviously. In the 1960s and 70s, those were the golden years for the Wuxia genre. Uh, major players being the Shaw Brothers studio, whose most prominent Wuxia director, uh, at the time, was King Hu and Chang Che, whose first film being Come Drink With Me, this film would be incredibly influential on the genre and for what it would become and what it ultimately is still known for. Uh, I'm calling these last couple things the King Hu touch. His films are drenched in Beijing opera tradition from the sound effect, the score, and the choreographed action scenes. Uh, he uses smoke and light for artistic effect, and chose exotic landscapes for his swordplay. King Hu himself was influenced by Japanese samurai films, including the films of Kurosawa and the Zatoichi films. Cheng Che and King Hu were friends, and they would watch these films in like a theater room together, and and they basically created their genre that way. So by being influenced by Japanese film, this is a genre that I think is very interesting, and there's. A lot to digest and discuss. A lot of good films. Well, and there's just a bunch of like classical Chinese folklore that involves stories like this. And in fact, I think that several of King Hu's stories are lifted from short stories. I know Touch of yep. Zen yes. is an adaptation of a poem, Myths and Legends. Oh, yeah. He covers several Wuja stories. Um, also a long-running series on the Monkey King, which is not hmm. Wuja genre, but it is a Chinese folklore okay. story that's quite excellent. It's a thick boy. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think these stories, 
Like they definitely resonate, especially it seems like a very big thing in their folklore is like the lady hero and not yep. just like Mulan mm-hmm. or, sure. you know, the movie that we're talking about today, but it just, it seems to be a theme that pops up from, at least from the stories that I've yeah. listened to or read. No, that's a good point. And some of whose other films like Dragon Inn, there's mm-hmm. a very prominent female character kick ass yeah yeah. i haven't seen touches him so you talked that um the japanese films inspired his style which i can absolutely see as far as like how he's staging his action and such i also think that it looks and i know that these films are also inspired by the japanese cinema but the italian westerns especially in the way that he builds tension and does character introductions I feel that the introduction to um, Golden Swallow, mm-hmm. which is very similar to the introduction of our sort of main protagonist in Dragon Inn, mm-hmm. they have a very like Clint Eastwood movie feel to them. Yeah. Of it's just escalating tension. It's very playful, mm-hmm. and I I think it's interesting. And, and also it, on the on the way the camera moves in on there face at times as well yeah he he likes to utilize that Mm close-up a lot which kurosawa and the italian filmmakers you know definitely were masters of that and i i really like his style and the tricks that he would use and his influence just expanded from from this film definitely the telltales of the way he's moving his camera here he the camera is almost like its own character within his Mm -hmm. canvas he does these big sweeping motions and even so in the next film, Dragon Inn, it's, there are some shots in that that I I really don't... I want to see what his setup yeah. behind screen was because I there's things that he's, like, going through. Yeah. Like, he'll go up a level in the end and then people walk in it's front of the camera. It's so good, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah. to me, but he it's not only the movement of the camera, it's the layering. Behind, yeah. Everything that his framing composition, it's the depth of everything. Yeah. And in this... You already see that depth. Yeah. Where there's it's, so many different layers he's building upon. It's impressive as for a debut film. Now, even the just even Dragon Inn's what, one year later? That yeah. He, like, even though it's just one year, you can really. There's a lot of growth. He has really, like, stepped up. Not that, and he's, like you said, very impressive in this film, but it is a debut film. And you can just really tell that progress even it, with a year later. It does feel like like you were saying he revisits the the way he introduction or introduces the our protagonist in this film is very similar to the protagonist in Dragon yeah. Inn. And I I I like that duality and it's like you're introducing a female character and yeah. you're introducing a male character. It's very similar and I just love the chaos around them and them being totally calm in the middle of the storm. Absolutely. And in control of the situation. Yeah. From what I've seen, what I really appreciate from his direction is the camera movement. It is the mm-hmm. focus on characters. He focuses on his heroes and his villains in in a way that makes them either imposing or mm-hmm. look awesome in that just Italian filmmaking sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that while I don't always love the staging of his action... I think his direction elevates that, if that makes sense. I think that... I feel like if you watch Kurosawa or some of those Japanese films, those battle scenes still hold up, 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like in these, the battle scenes feel a little bit more theatrical. They're they're not as gritty. Right. And even though this film is surprisingly super violent, this one's it's way still chunkier. lacks the um, visceralness that the Japanese cinema yeah. was producing. But his camera movement is what separates him from, I think, his contemporaries. Right. As you, like, as I talked about in those notes, you know, these, the, for him and some of the directors that would follow in this genre, they, they were very much based in theater, as you, as you said, and, and it's more about the movement, whereas it is about, you know, the swordplay is obviously very important, but it's a different type of swordplay. And it's, it's very focused on choreography. I believe I read in Come Drink With Me here, that first big action scene that takes place inside the tavern, mm-hmm. it took them a week just for that sh- this for that little action scene alone, just to get the choreography right. Um, so there's a lot going on there. But you're right, it is a different style of action in the Japanese films. And, and one thing that I think that Hu is very sound at are his tracking shots and also the use of the medium wide shot which i personally love in action films yeah for him that just the action piece of it it almost seems like and it ties into everything you said with i mean it's more of a dance it's more he focuses i feel like on the bodies not where the swords are Mm -hmm, going mm -hmm. which it's it's just different it's and i like it but he it's definitely more more poetic movement yeah and I think it's another thing to point out for for these films and for like what would turn what would be Shaw Brothers known for more their kung fu films like the action choreographers were just as important as the directors in these movies because they would spend just as much time with the actors if not more than what the director would spend. Come drink with me, nineteen sixty six, directed by King Hu. Golden Swallow is a fighter for hire who has been contracted by the local government to retrieve the governor's kidnapped son. Holding him is a group of rebels who are demanding that their leader be released from prison in return return for the captured son. After a brief encounter with the gang at a local restaurant, Golden Swallow is joined by an inebriated wanderer, drunken cat, who aids her in her mission. Who we've got starring here, and I do apologize in advance, we have Chang Pai Pai as Golden Swallow, Elliot Ngok as Drunken Cat, Chin Hung Lee as Jade-Faced Tiger, Yoon Saitin, I don't know, I'm sorry, Yoon as Jade-Faced Tiger, this man. No, I think it's interesting because like they have a different oh, actor listed. No, so sometimes... Uh, oh, the name is different, so... it's And that's just normal with... So, like, Drunken Cat is listed, like, on IMDb and Wikipedia as Yui Ha. Interesting. Yeah, but, um, like, the actor that I really like from Dragon Inn and Touches Inn, he, his name, his last name could be Bao or Ping. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it just switches. And I don't know if you say the, say it the same way, but the way it's spelled is different. So Golden Swallow, Ching Pai Pai, Yui Hao plays Drunken Cat, Chin Hung Lee, Jade Face Tiger, and we'll say Yung Chi Hing plays the abbot, Liu Kung. Say those are our mains. Yeah. Right? That yeah. works for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
So let's let's get into this. As always, my notes are not the best or most comprehensive, but feel free to talk when you would like. Oh, Jackie Chan's in this film. Oh, really? As an extra. Very nice. We have the Five Deadly Tigers. I'm guessing that's the name of the gang here. I wrote that down. I don't... Yes. Yeah. Okay. How do they compare to the Five Deadly Venoms to oh. you? <laughs> I do have a question. So just to make sure that I'm understanding, because I know honor titles are different. Like, this is her brother that she's trying to yes. Yeah, that's like, right. It's her, her actual... Yes, the letterbox synopsis is a little wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. I just wanted to clear that up. That she, her, her father is the governor. The governor, yeah. And she's she his is. head lieutenant, basically. Yes. She's mm-hmm. going to save her brother. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, we have this uh, gang, and they have surrounded this army to begin with. The gang has basically their leader has been captured, and they want him back. So they surround them, uh, release your prisoner back to us. They say uh, a fight scene. Uh, starts the film. It's uh, very violent. Uh, I enjoyed the staging, the choreography. It's very bloody, as Stacy mentioned early on. Chunky. Yeah, going from his films that he did after this, like this definitely has the Shaw Brothers touch that mm-hmm. some of his other movies don't. Whenever that hand came off, I was like, oh dang. Because I don't even know if you see blood really in the other films. Like, it's yeah, minimal. it's very minimal. Yeah. During the sequence, there's a beheading. There like is. a head just there's rolls. A head that, there's yeah. a head rolls. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of slices of bellies. Yeah. There's a lot of blood splatter. Yeah. Really thick red. red yeah, it, it is violent in the way that their kung fu movies yes. are. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so yeah, we have this action scene to start us off. Uh, Deadly Tigers essentially kidnap Master Zhang, who, as we just talked about, he is the governor's son. Kidnap him. They actually torture him torture him a little bit they are wanting the governor to know we have your son we want our leader back we give you five days or whatever to we'll make a trade with you and so that's kind of our setup here bandits when they are writing this letter to the governor they talk amongst themselves saying that they're not really scared of who they would send except if they send someone by the name of golden swallow um, and at this point, the film shifts to a restaurant, or I called it a tavern. Um, uh, we get introduced to Golden Swallow, and as Stacy said, uh, very good introduction here. Um, Golden Swallow has been sent by the governor and to deal with these bandits and bring back Master Zhang, who is, uh, she is his brother. They yeah. believe that she is a man. So that's something that's weird, because... Dragon Inn does this too, where the lady is, everyone thinks it's a dude. And in this film, it is very much played off, like, intentional. And there's kind of a reveal scene Mm -hmm. of her, like, taking her hair down, like, when she's getting ready to go to bed. Is the audience supposed to believe that she is... I don't think so. She's very attractive. Right. And... It's the same in Dragon Inn. It's... it's, Yeah. Yeah. You have a very beautiful... Mm -hmm. Female, that's... It's not even trying to cross-dress. No. It's not no. a Mulan well, and, situation. And also, no voice alteration. Right. Like, it, <laughs> they sound very feminine, just, yeah. to, mm-hmm. just to get right to it. <laughs> but this is a very common thing in a lot of, I would say, Eastern storytelling, but just, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, storytelling across the board. Sure. But it's a, it's a yeah. thing. And to be honest, like, it, it doesn't... It uses it in a way where it doesn't really matter that she's a lady, because, at, you know, when they find out, nothing is... 
making them want to kill her more or less or anything. It's just... Or they don't go easy or, on her. Yeah, they don't, mm-hmm. it's still the same the either way. Dra- the Jade Tiger, it's like he's he wants to have dinner with her. Yep. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, and like during that courtyard fight scene where he gets a little like yeah. ripped open and they're like, oh. oh. Well, it's like bright it's, red too. Yeah, it's, it's like a, you it's just a hot see a shirt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but they act like it's a scandalous thing. That's about as like yeah. tawdry as the film gets. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I did like it though. It uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, she has been sent to kind of take the bandits down and, uh, yes, save her brother, Master Zang. Another, as she's in this tavern, uh, we meet uh, another man who comes into the tavern to get out of the rain, needing some wine. He appears to be a very drunken uh, individual. At this point, we have our second kind of big action scene here. These bandits are in the tavern, and she they figure out who she is, or who he There's is a, at the time. The tiger gang. Yeah, the tiger gang. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we get a nice little action scene in here. What do you guys think of this scene? Yeah, so the Tiger Gang, I think that the guy who is in the inn, is that Smiling Tiger? Yeah. Yes. But uh, often they refer to each other as numbers, yeah. like number the, five. It's the five tigers. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And number one is their uh, leader. Who's Jade been, Tiger. Who's been taken. That's right. No, or, no, oh, or yeah. He's the, number the, two. Yeah. Number one is the guy that we don't ever see until the end. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I enjoy this action scene a lot. Um, I think he does a very good job with the smaller location. And you start to see a little bit of the fantastical come through where she dares them to like throw objects at her. And she's able to either uh, throw them or or chop them or do certain things. It's well, pretty cool. It's like they're throwing these coins and That's right. she keeps catching all of them. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> He does a, I mean, it, again, there's so many influences that you go, you both have already talked about, but he does such a good job of making her seem like such a badass just yeah. right out the gate. It's true. Yeah. It's a really good scene. Yeah. So I, I like that stuff quite a bit. And ultimately, um, she teaches them a lesson and they like get out of there and she rents a room for the night. They basically. don't learn their lesson though because they, they keep don't. coming. They don't. They keep coming back. They <laughs> should learn their lesson, but yeah, they keep coming back. Uh... I'm going to skip a little bit ahead, so if you guys want to say anything in between here, please do. Yes. I I do like Drunken Cat. Yes. His introduction, I think that that's something that, from the King Hugh films that I've seen, it seems that that is a thing that he likes to use, the unassuming person who is secretly a badass. In Touch of Zen, there's a, a blind person... In Dragon Inn, the the brother and sister kind of played off as goofs. Well, the mm. brothers kind of played off as a, a dork. Yeah, yeah. I call him a I call him a trickster. It's like the trickster character in like folklore or whatever. In a yeah. lot of ways, I like his character a lot. He uh, kind of has a. I mean, he's like a bard essentially. He had sure. it, it was like dandelion energy. Mm-hmm. Like he him. <laughs> Not this sequence, but the next time we kind of get introduced to him, where he's singing for wine. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, so I'm skipping to a scene here that's quite troubling. The leader of the the uh, the five deadly tigers here, he kills a child monk. They're like talking inside this temple that they've kind of he taken over. That monk he did. He warned the monk everyone keep everyone away. away, and he hears somebody through the wall and just throws one of his poison darts and nails him right in the face. 
It's I pretty mean, brutal scene. Yeah. It is very gruesome. And you just yeah. have a child screaming for their life. Yeah. He's out there and the monk is like, do something to save him. And the leader or the number two, he's like, nah, kill him. <laughs> and so the, he yeah, just has this dude. Super violent. Skewers him. Yeah. Blood just like splashes up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty intense. brutal. I was shocked. Like he's a young kid and. He's super young. <laughs> The way that this is staged is, so the the older monk is holding the child. The child is limp at this point and is no longer making noise. And they're like, well, he's going to die in a few minutes anyways because of the poison. And blood's just like, mm-hmm. his face is a wreck. <laughs> so the kid's just limp and the monk's like, please save him. And they're like, no. They like kick the old man away yeah. and then they skewer him. There's a pause and then blood splatter. Yeah. It's so dramatic and shocking. Something that is interesting about the movie, you don't know starting off who you're supposed to be rooting for. So the introduction of the the five tigers, it's like done in a very dramatic way where yeah. it looks like this guy's a badass, you know, the, the albino guy. And especially it was confusing at first for me because the other two King Hugh films I watched were very Mm anti-authority so that this film is about the government like coming after these bandits yeah I I was it took me a little bit to figure out who we're supposed to be rooting for in the movie and this does a good job of illustrating like oh these guys are fucking evil yeah like the monk says you know you are cruel yeah Yep. Yeah, I had that that same notion because we're introduced to number two, the Jade Tiger, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, this is taking place of I forget the actor's name, but the in Dragon and he has the really big toothy grin. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He. It's like, oh, he's taking place. He's he's our our badass helping the female protagonist, right? No. Nope. He's just an evil. Mofo. He's just just mm-hmm. evil, the worst evil. Mm-hmm. What I have next is one of my personal favorite scenes in the film we have the song and dance number with drunker with a drunken cat and some young monk children and i just wrote down that it rules <laughs> young monk yeah i like musical numbers that show up in movies that i'm not expecting it and especially yeah. when they're directed like musical numbers yeah this mm-hmm. was putting off some like tokyo drifter vibes oh yeah that's that's a good call what i enjoy about this is it's it happens, and then we have a break, and we have some talking, and then, like, two more songs happen after. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's probably a good, like, close to ten minute scene and all, I, I would guess, around in there. Maybe I, seven or eight, but somewhere in that range. The third song that we get, because it has the, the code yeah. or whatever for her to... Yeah. He's temple. talking to her, but not talking to yeah. her. I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was really clever, and the song mm-hmm. was nice. Yeah. And I, will, I have to say, as someone who is easily annoyed by child actors and usually has issues with them. I, I thought these kids were precious. You don't like children? No. I have issues with them a That's lot of times. That's why don't ask him about Coke. Oh. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> but these kids, you know what? I like their spunk, their spirit. Their hair. Their hair. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I know. And they just wanted some food, you know? They wanted a pork bun. Yeah. I don't blame them. I like a pork butt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they wanted Drunken Cat to get some some wine. Yeah. Well, the one... the one He was trying to settle up their yeah. their tab. Yeah. A nice innkeeper 
Mm-hmm. He's like, it's fine. Yeah. It, it, during this whole uh, scene here, we have a great line here that says, that I think Drunken Cat says this at the end of one of his songs, I believe. In a wine gourd, I find my greatest love. Truer words have never been spoken in my he, opinion. I like that he dramatically holds up the gourd. Yeah. And he, there's a pause, especially, like, obviously, if you're reading subtitles, where mm-hmm. he holds up the gourd and he's like, in a wine gourd. And you're like, yep. where is this going? <laughs> and <laughs> I, my greatest love was like, yep. sure enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do, you, mm-hmm. what do you guys think of the archetype of the sort of the holy man who's just drunk all the time? Like, Friar Tuck oh, or... Yeah. I, I feel like in Asian stories that, especially like with the Shaolin monks, you know, you'll have them um, that are, drunken I know that, and... yeah, drunken master, mm-hmm. you've got, um, you know, from Mortal Kombat, Bo Raicho. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think it's inspiring. Like, that's what you hope, <laughs> Friar Tuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. But yeah, I, I think it's great, you know? Uh, I love an unassuming hero. I love, like, someone that seems like they're mm-hmm. messy and not going to do anything. Yeah. I love an underachiever achieving. Mm-hmm. You turn that. out that they're just badass. Maybe something to uh, aspire to. As we talked about, or as Melanie talked about just a second ago, uh, during the last couple songs in particular, he leads Golden Swallow to a temple where Master Zhang is being held captive. I really love that he will not talk to her directly mm-hmm. because he he's obviously dedicated to his persona. It's to protect him, to protect the kids, I assume. Yeah. But I sure. I just love that he chose to decode through song. Well, I also think that it has something to do with their religious followings because once the abbot comes yeah. into the temple, he talks about not interfering with mm-hmm. what's going on between the bandits and the well, governor. He, at one point, he tells her to observe, not to fight. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he only interjects to protect her. Well, and he doesn't... It's more of just he tosses things to her or knocks things away. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that's not really said in the movie where this temple has been taken by bandits. They're kind of... They're against the temple's will if, you know, you go by the reaction of the old man to the child's death. And by the end of the film, like, they're part of the party that's, oh, goodbye, everyone. Thank mm-hmm. you for your help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they liberate the temple. From this point on, we get quite a few action scenes and a lot of ins and outs here. So we get the jade-faced tiger and his bandits. They're at this temple. Uh, as Golden Swallow enters, she tries to like disguise herself where she actually looks like <laughs> a woman this time, but she's figured out pretty fast by Jade Face, and so they find out Golden Swallow is in fact a woman. Uh, we get a fight between Jade Face Tiger and Golden Swallow outside the temple. You guys can talk about this anything you want here, but I'll just say that towards the end of that battle, Jade Face Tiger ends up shooting a dart at Golden Swallow, poisons her as the battle ends. And then several hours later, mm-hmm. Drunken Cat sucks 
the poison That's from right. her chest. Yeah. And then leaves her <laughs> with like blood oozing down and he just covers yeah. her back with her robe and he's like, we're good. It's a pretty gnarly, uh, like, little wound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good it's, makeup. It's all like blackened and yeah, yeah it, it looks really cool. Yeah. So as, yeah, as, as she's like about to pass out or whatever, like drunken cat kind of saves her. This pacing kind of reminds me of the Leone Eastwood Westerns, yeah. where because it seems like in each one of those, there's a sequence where the bad guy gets the upper hand yeah. on him, and he just gets the shit kicked out of him. Kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Golden Swallow and Drunken Cat have a really good chemistry, but obviously there's never anything romantic. Right. And I really like that. Yeah. It, it, and that's a common thing a good, in, in a lot of these films. A good setup where, like, helping each other out, but yeah, there's no... But, like, they're they're both very attractive people, Mm -hmm. and he, like, there's a point where, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, where the bandits come back, and Mm -hmm. uh, she's still woozy from the poison, and he keeps grabbing her as she's fainting. There's some really good chemistry, but I like that it's platonic. Sure. And as you just said, we'll talk about that, as really, this is the first time we see, like, Drunken Cat show off that he is, in fact, a badass. Yeah, Jade Face Tiger sends some... Some bandits out, and they kind of figure out where she is located, and there's like five or six of them, or five of them, whatever there is, and yeah, uh, Drunken Cat disposes all of them pretty quickly. With the (laughs) very special green bamboo stick spear. That's right. So yeah, he takes them out, then uh, he, he goes back to his trickster ways, and he goes back to the temple... And basically, uh, this was another one of my favorite lines. Like, he goes up to Jade Face Tiger and he's like, I've brought you some corpses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like doing his like his weird posture where he's just bumbling around. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So basically, I mean, he, he makes up, you know, a story that that Golden Swallow is the one that killed him and that the dart wasn't poisonous, poisonous enough and that. She's still out there roaming the woods and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all that happens. Uh, Jade Face Tiger's pretty upset because some of his best men died. So uh, particularly, yes. it's Smiling Tiger, yeah. right? Or, number uh, five? Yeah, number, number five, five gets yeah. killed. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's at this point uh, we meet the Abbott character for the first time as uh, he comes in with uh, when the bodies are, are being put in the caskets and everything. What is his exact... What is he? I, I was. He's I an abbot. So what does that mean? The leader of a temple. Yeah. Okay. He's an evil abbot. Yeah, and there's very much a separation of like church and state, state. Mm-hmm. where the monks don't really get involved in worldly affairs, and the monks are left alone for yep. that. Yep. So the abbot tells uh, Jade Face Tiger and his gang. He they he tells them who Drunken Cat really is at this moment. Um, Abbott basically, well, he does tell them that Drunken Cat is his brother, uh, and they... I think that this is brother in the sense that they're the quote, not... Right, quote-unquote brother. This is, like, yeah. again, the honor, t- mm-hmm. honor titles. They both were under the same master yes. in their temple, and they learned and trained together. Yep. So... They got a Ken Ryu... Yes. Sort of... Akuma, and I think that this thing going on this lends into Drunken Cat later not really wanting to fight. Yeah, he doesn't want to it, kill him, or you know, yeah, he gives him multiple choices to leave. They 
I think he's very, again, there's a lot of duality in the story. Mm-hmm. We find out Abbott has killed their master, so he yep. he's angry about that. But then also it's like he, he trained him. He The reason why he's as good and at, as strong as he is is because of him. Yep. So it's a lot of duality. Yeah. And so as you just said, and I'll go, as, as we first are introduced to Abbott, he claims that Drunken Cat is the one that killed their master, and that's why he has the bamboo staff. Obviously, we find out that's not the exact, yeah, an accurate story. So, the bandits, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. So, if there's anything you guys want to say between this, um, so as all that happens, we get to a point where the bandits uh, have met with the army and they've decided to make a trade to get their leader back. And so, they give their leader back and then... They get their leader back, and then Master Zhang is given back to the governor. As this happens, Drunken Cat is under the cart that has their leader in it, and he kind of comes up out of nowhere, causes the trade to go wrong for the bandits. He sends their leader, and he pushes his cart back down to the army, and this whole kind of thing happens where the bandits are upset, then they decide... To kind of get revenge back on the army and ambush them. Is there anything you guys like to say during all this? Something that I find interesting that's not really spoken upon. It seems that Golden Swallow has an army of badass ladies. Yes. That are with her. That's right. And they don't really speak upon that. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting. Yeah. But they're they're badass they were and cool. All, they, were, they were tearing it up, man. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yeah, this this is another uh, fight scene that I really enjoyed. Uh, like I said, a lot of tracking shots and wide shots and just all around good choreography, in my opinion. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, yes, there's, like I said, a battle ensues. And then while this is happening, we also cut to Abbott and Drunken Cat have their fight. So they meet up with each other and they kind of we figure out what's going on fully about uh their master and who killed who and why drunken cat has the bamboo spear drunken cat only intervenes because the abbot is stopping golden swallow from yes. getting jade face tiger yeah jade face tiger escapes he does the film. Yeah. he does yeah we actually don't because see of death. the abbot yeah so yes they have like a quick little fight scene abbot and duncan <laughs> have a fight scene <laughs> Drunken Cat lets Abbott escape. He gives him a choice. But he doesn't want to kill him. two or three times. Yep. I don't want to kill you. Just Mm -hmm. go do your thing. Do not interfere with what she's doing. And he says, warns him, either change your life and your name, or I'm going to kill you. Abbott doesn't listen. (laughs) Another fight ensues right after that. And I really like this kind of last fight where they go to Drunken Cat's home in the forest where he lives garden yeah the zen garden of sorts and really kind of some mysticism and fantasy starts coming into play it's never really talked about but i think it's i i enjoy it for what it is i tried to look up a thing after this to see if there is a word for this because i recently had to watch this is random i had to watch or the second movie in the Inuasha series okay. for another thing. And there's a character that has a thing on his hand that's like this yeah. hand, what you see, where they like put their palm out, and it's called a wind tunnel. Okay. In that, 
I just thought it was really interesting that I was like, yeah. I wonder, I tried to figure out, like, is there a certain thing this is referred to? But in that show, they just call it Wind Tunnel, which is kind of okay. weird. Well, I think what Nolan was talking about in the history of the, the mm-hmm. Wuja genre in those, like, old, old stories that people could project right. their weapons and such. And I think you, I might be mistaken, but I feel like in Crouching Tiger, it's not shown as, like, wind, but mm-hmm. I feel like there are parts where, like, the weapons are, like, Green Destiny's not in their hand and he's yeah. able to yeah. Mm-hmm. attack this, with it's like it. you clearly yeah. see, it's like a wind. Yeah, it's, it's, I like the effect. I mean, yeah, even no, for the I time, I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it looks good. I think the coolest thing in this sequence is the abbot chops down the support beam in the Mm. hut. Yeah. And this stunt is shown with a wide shot where it's a hut. Mm -hmm. The abbot jumps out the window and then the hut collapses. Yeah. It's like... And then drunk. While drunken cat's in there. It's... it's, How did they... Yeah. That's pretty wild. How you, how you do that? There's a lot of things that after watching his movie, I'm like, how do you do this? I yeah. don't understand. And it, it's this is again another fairly bloody battle as well. Like Drunken Cat's face is just covered in blood mm-hmm. by the end. And as he disposes of the abbot, there's a good blood squirt out of the chest and then as he falls into the river just like <laughs> waves of water splash onto him it's, i like it it was that was like a sam raimi yeah level. <laughs> yeah <laughs> bloody sure. splash yeah mm-hmm. uh drunken cat defeats the abbot and to end the film here golden swallow and and the army you know we talked about they defeat the bandits uh but as stacy said jade faced tiger does get away He's injured, but he gets away. So what's to become of him? Who knows? Uh, But Golden Swallow and her brother make it back to the army and governor and end the film. Great movie. I like this movie a lot. Again, I don't think it's as good as as Dragon Inn, and that's the only other King Who film I've seen. But I do really like this movie, and I think it's a really solid debut film. Yeah, I, I prefer... Dragon in and touches in, but I, yeah, this is a very impressive first film. Yeah, I think that if you're wanting to get into Wuja films or King Q, it being so influential to the genre and just to see how his work will grow, like the techniques that he uses, I think that this film's awesome. In 2007, Mm-hmm. The Weinsteins wanted to remake this film, and oh, Tarantino wow. was going to do it. Interesting, and it just didn't happen. Man, that would have been uh... weird. Yeah, <laughs> huh. that is pretty wild. Well, and they did a sequel to this yes. called Golden Swallow. Yeah, and I believe that was Cheng Che's. I think that was his first Wuxia film, and that was also made for the Shaw Brothers. And so, yeah, those those kind of those two went back to back with this type of story. So, I'm trying to remember the header on the front, and I could look this up, but maybe you recall. Was Dragon Inn Shaw Brothers as well? Yes. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. it's after Dragon Inn, yeah. he mm-hmm. splits up with the Shaw Brothers yeah. and starts making movies in Taiwan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because by the time that Touches In came out, like... I think the Shaw Brothers had really moved on to Kung Fu flicks. If I like solely correctly. Kung Fu flicks. Yeah. 
And the wuxia genre was starting to die down a little bit. It was still obviously going, but not as strong as it was. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it because Azreen, when I watched Touches In, that that movie didn't do too well on its initial Mm. release because it was going against Fist of Fury or Big Boss if you're in America. Yeah. Which, like those Bruce Lee films, which is only like three or four years, but he was... Mm -hmm. A mega star yeah. over there. What's like all of those movies were yeah. huge. What's a bummer too, and, and I I haven't read up enough on this. So whose career seems like it was shorter than what it should have been? I think he makes like a few comedies in there, and like it's really a different type of movie. And and I think he only made twelve to fifteen films was all. And I think he had a lot left in him, and it just kind of is a bummer that like this genre of film went by the wayside for I so just long. I think so much was happening over there at that mm-hmm. time where cinema shifted uh-huh. drastically two or three times yeah. in quick succession. So Right. Well, and it's, it is strange because he did come up in their studio system and I feel like a lot of like those directors they do just work and work and work. Mm-hmm. I mean for Hong Kong cinema, I mean before we get the John Woo that we know and love with like Better Tomorrow, he made what ten or twelve movies yeah. that were action films that didn't have his style or comedies, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is you know by the time we hit what the the mid to late eighties, the genre does start to make a comeback in a way. Like you have Chu Hawk who does Zoo Warriors that we watched, which is very much influenced by this yeah. genre. And, you start, you. yeah, start getting some of those films. So it's just a little unfortunate that uh, he couldn't have made more. But I'm glad we have the ones we have, and this was a great start. So do you guys want to get into categories? Let's do it. All right, I will just say my high moment of the film is the fight inside of the tavern. Uh, I like I like all the fights here, but I just really enjoy. A really well choreographed action scene that is in a isolated or a smaller space. And I think he does a really good job shooting that and always knowing where you're at with spacing. And I really enjoy that scene. Uh, My low moment, I'm going to go just a little bit. Like, I love this movie, so I'm never really bored. But there's just a little bit where I, I think the stuff in the forest goes on just a little long. Not too bad, but maybe I just, I would have cut that down just a smidgen. And then my make them laugh moment is just drunken cat doing his song and dance routine with the children. And basically him saying that wine is great and will solve all your problems in the world. I'm going to say my high point is the introduction of Golden Swallow slash Drunken Cat musical number. My low point is that the focus gets taken off of Golden Swallow Mm -hmm. about halfway to two-thirds of the way through the film and shifts over to Drunken Cat. It seems like this is a technique that Hugh uses where he will shift the focus from his protagonist to a different protagonist and then introduce introduce like a new big bad, mm-hmm. which sure. that happens in I think all the films that I have watched yeah. from him, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes it works better than others. This one 
I would have preferred a little bit more Golden Swallow. I thought she was mm-hmm. more interesting. I love Drunken Cat, yeah. but I think that the story with Drunken Cat and the Abbot, that wasn't as interesting to me as yeah. Golden Swallows, and it ends with that, so it's kind of yeah. anticlimactic for me. I agree. It kind of gets thrown in late in the movie. It doesn't hurt my feelings towards the movie, but I agree with you in a sense. Like It kind of turns into the, the bigger thing. Yeah, toward, and it yeah. feels like smaller potatoes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. My make them laugh is just the extreme violence. Mm-hmm. Man, that monk kid getting it in the eye. Mm-hmm. And that splatter after. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. The guy getting his hand chopped off and just holding the hand. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say my high, which this is kind of, I've already talked about it. It's his composition. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and this isn't just for this film. It's for all of the films of his that I've seen. The way he uses his camera, his framing, his, the way he uses scenery and frames it, the way his, that medium wide. Yes. Like, it's, I feel like for a lot of, in this genre, you watch it for the action. For me, I watch it for his framing. Yeah. His composition. Absolutely. It's, that's why I would keep coming back to him. Yeah. As you talked about earlier, there's. the camera. So much depth in his shots. Yes. Yeah. And it is impressive. And there's one point where you have clearly like a, a, a matte painting um, in the back. Mm-hmm. And then you have foliage that he has there. And then you have a Drunken Cat's little hut yeah. area. And then you have Drunken Cat. And it's you have all of these layers. And there's so many shots that are like that in this. Yeah. Where it's just he he's building and it looks... Again, it's just really well done. And... For a debut, it's kind of insane to me that mm-hmm. he already had that vision locked down. And he does grow on that. Yeah. And it expands, but it's right out the gate. He His style is... Yeah. He has his stamp. And For sure. He... I mean, it's it's just so well done. This kind of my low ties into yours a little bit where... And this is a thing for all of his films that I saw. The third act, mm-hmm. he, since he does do a, a character shift, it the third act's kind of feel a little bit anticlimactic mm-hmm. where it's you and i felt like this was zoo warriors too where you have like a moment where you feel like it's going to be bigger or mm-hmm. you feel like it's going to go on for longer sure but everything's resolved super quickly yeah and it's well and i say resolved in this it's like jade tiger runs off he actually and gets out of there yeah <laughs> he talks to <laughs> and runs so yeah it, it, it does it's wrap it, itself up in a way pretty fast yeah and i still i i like this film oh, a, yeah. a lot but that is something where i do wish these were the endings were just a little bit tighter and i wish mm-hmm. i wish he would have focused on golden swallow even if he went off drunken cat's such a great character i don't think we really need the added story with him and the abbot like mm-hmm. I kind of like him being more of a nameless badass where he's mm-hmm. just acting drunk in a tavern, then all of a sudden he kills half of this guy's yep. gang and you don't know why. Okay. I like that. <laughs> but, you know, that's it's it's fine. Sure. My makeup him laugh. There's a character, I don't know if he's number three, number four mm-hmm. within the five tigers, who he's a man and I Pardon me for saying this, but he is tits out. <laughs> he has a yeah. strap in a potato sack. It's a good look. And every time potato sack came on, I laughed just because <laughs> he, I don't, he was really going for it. Like I felt like he felt powerful in that wardrobe. Uh, he yeah. was powerful in that yeah, wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. But and every time that guy comes up, you know him as well. He gets a very anticlimactic death as well. Just stabbed does. in the back. And yeah. I was ready for like. I 
gonna have a showdown. Something's gonna happen here. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. he was gonna have a moment because he had such a yeah. good distinctive like look. No, no yeah. such luck. So yeah, that that could also be a negative for me yeah. on a low. But yeah. uh, before we get into your last category for us, I was was curious after you guys have watched three of whose films, what's do you have one that you think is better than the others thus far? I think Dragon and still my I think I like it the most. Touches in for me. Okay. And I'm going to try to watch Touches in sometime soon. It's a longer movie, so I need to uh, get my schedule right for it. But uh, You know what? It might be Touches in for me, too. I just rethought of it. Okay. I, I reevaluated in my head. There's some. There's a really good sequence that I... Yeah, it's Touches okay. in. It's really good. Very nice. Well, uh, hopefully sometime here, maybe in... I don't know. Maybe a few months or something we'll do dragon in at some point and do a next king who film at some point so this is yeah good stuff maybe we could do a double feature where we could do dragon in and goodbye dragon in oh yeah i would i would very much like that yeah maybe we'll do that all right melanie you got our last category here i do and two of these are strong and you're gonna know who they are the third one is kind of just thrown out there i i didn't know who to put in because if i put potato sack that's very much from my own Uh personal benefit but uh just real quickly i've got a mary fuck kill mm-hmm. so i must ask you mary fuck kill the evil abbot drunken cat or number two himself the jay tiger oh man yeah okay marrying drunken cat he's yeah he's my dude it's the right answer yeah yeah i love him protector handsome dude we get drunk together all the time Entertaining. You Entertaining. Guys, he can sing for me. You guys would me. sing to each other. That's true. There would be a lot of daily songs. You sing all the time. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be what our life is. Just yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to kill Jade Face Tiger. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. I, you know he's he's a pretty boy, but like I just he's he's too evil for me. He's killing children out there, and then I'm gonna. F the Abbot. No, I, you know, he's not a good looker. But you know what? Sometimes. You think he could do something with that wind? He probably could. Bust that out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just going to hope that he has a strong dick and we'll see what happens. What? That, that's part of the situation, okay? I would definitely marry a drunken cat. I am fucking. Jade Tiger. I don't want anything to do with that Abbott. <laughs> I agree with thing. you, Mel. I uh, <laughs> I just think of my life with drunken cat, helping orphans, getting pork buns, mm-hmm. drinking wine, mm-hmm. living in that Zen garden. Right. He's going to teach me Kung Fu, and I'm going to be a master of the spear mm-hmm. in more ways than one. Sure. Nice. And then... Um, yeah, it's like Jade Jade Tiger. That's that's, a that's who you fuck. Yeah, Hit it and quit boy. it. Yeah, and he's definitely. I mean, he's flirty. Yeah, he's, he'd be. He's down to go. Yeah. Down to clown. Maybe For I sure. like the. I want to try out a robust body like. Oh, no, Mr. No, no. Abbott. It's. And I'm not. Maybe I'll bag it. Bag the head. That's not what this is about. It's. It's just. It's not a body thing. It's. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna kill the abbot because abbot's a shit. No, <laughs> he is a shit. He's evil. Sometimes I like shitty guys. That is true. I always go back to uh, Blood Simple. 
mm. every time I think of this yeah. and your choices. Oh, man. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Good times. Good picks. Good Except picks. for me, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Win some, you lose some. Yeah. All right. Well, good episode, y'all. We'll be back in a few weeks for another one. You can find us on Twitter at Cinema Parlor. You can find us on Instagram at Cinema Parlor. Uh, you can also download listen to the show on itunes on soundcloud spotify wherever you get your podcasts uh leave us ratings and reviews if you would Uh, i didn't look this week so i apologize but if you leave us a review we will read it on air i don't care how good or bad as long as it isn't offensive in uh, the language so yeah uh, you can find me personally on letterboxd at chuck madden jr Esclover84 on Letterboxd. Plastic Werewolf on all social media. All right. And uh, everyone have a lovely and safe week, and we will talk to you soon.